You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. I am Janice Legata, and this is a meeting of the Bad Book Club. We are reading Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on womanhood one chapter at a time. We'll have a reading of the opening paragraph, I'll give a few thoughts, and then join one of the members of the Bad Book Club for a discussion. In the end, we'll hear the closing paragraph, and I'll give some closing thoughts, all with the intention of leaving you free to think your own thoughts about the chapter, the book, and all things really so. Without further ado, let's get into... Captivating. Chapter 6. Just an hour ago, a hummingbird was trapped in our garage. They come here to Colorado in the summer, to mate and nest and feast upon the flowers that fill our garden. We love to watch them zipping around, hovering, performing acrobatics in the air. First they go straight up, up, up for 30 feet or so like a helicopter or like those whirligigs we played with as kids, then plunge straight down as fast as they can, pulling out of a nosedive at the last possible moment to race back up and do it again, then again. They are playfulness squeezed into a tiny size. And then Stacy takes two paragraphs to make up a story about a hummingbird getting trapped in the garage and how all the Eldridges work together as a family to get it out. What struck me was the compassion and concern we all felt for the rescue of this little jewel. The whole family dropped what we were doing and got involved. Didn't you feel bad for her as I told her tale? Now, Jesus said, Don't you think God cares just a little bit more for you than for the birds of the air? Are you not much more valuable than they? Matt 6:26. Indeed, you are, you, dear heart, are the crown of creation, his glorious image bearer and he will do everything it takes to rescue you and set your heart free. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Put a Bird on It, a.k.a. Captivating, where just like the hummingbird and Stacy's most definitely true, not-at-all-made-up story, we are all trapped in a man-made structure that only a man can let us out of. And allegedly, that man is Jesus, but as you'll hear us discuss, that math doesn't quite math for me. Anyway, brace yourself for the usual Eldridge nonsense and for some bonus shots fired at Redeeming Love, at Hillsong, and at the marriage of Carl Lentz, as fate would have it, as we all get trapped in the garage of Chapter 6 with this week's book club member, Ashley, pronoun she her hailing from seattle it's 8 a.m here so it's about to be a hot mess i think i always say this when i'm with you i'm deconstructing i fucks with jesus but the rest is is just a mess and so doing my best to love people first and heal from the trauma that i experienced in the church and outside of the church for that matter My favorite quote is, I don't have one. This just got asked at work. And I was like, I can only think of Bible verses. So I hate it here. And shout out to Matthew 6. I don't know what Matthew 6 is, but read it. Open it. Matthew 6. Shout out. No idea what that is. So apologize if you read it and it's not it. Okay. Well, we'll take it. It's funny that you say you fucks with Jesus because he is all over this chapter so you chose captivating this was the book you said you would like to read <laughs> take it back ashley very correctly called me out the question is which of the books would you like to read she said like to <laughs> like to <laughs> i will read captivated but like neither so i have to change that <laughs> which, which book are you opting to read so you opted 
captivating because you said and i quote that was my shit that was my shit i'm mad about it (laughs) so so when where how did you first become aware that this book existed okay it must have been 2007 in my little small group cadre all the women read these whack-ass purity books and we read captivating and i am dismayed dismayed (laughs) that I thought this book was good reading. But I ate that shit up. I even still have the book and we're we're babysitting Devontae, my favorite dog. But if we weren't, I would have brought my book that has highlights and underlines like it was speaking to my soul. So 18 year old Ashley, maybe 19, just eating this book the fuck up. So I too have been broken, Stassi. I too have been broken. <laughs> well, she already knew that because she said everyone. 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 Most, many, all, all the time. Ugh. Can I tell you what made me the most mad? The Aretha Franklin quote at the beginning of this chapter. I was like, you ain't got one black friend. Ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah. Leave Aretha out of this. I was just, just talking with Gael. She did chapter five. Ooh. And chapter five, part of what we were talking about was, oh, this is the first time people of color have made an appearance. And it's all the the Chinese bind the feet of their women. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the African war lo- yep. lords do this. And the female genital mutilation. Like, you ain't had nothing to say to people of color about people. But this is, this is where they get introduced. And then... <laughs> here at the top of chapter six she said oh aretha yes (laughs) oh that makes it worse so how did you feel about reading a chapter in 2022 i feel like i had to wake up this morning and rush read the end because i hated it so much like every time first of all it's just not well written like Mm -hmm. it's like let me this is what I hear when I read this let me find let me find the quote that really that like ooh hold on let me find this nonsense okay it's just like when I read it this is what it sounds like to me also Jesus is abusive in this little chapter I'm like I'm like no wonder people get in abusive marriages because what I read what I hear Jesus has to thwart us thwart our self-redemptive plans are controlling and are hindering throughout the ways we are seeking to fill the ache within us. And that voice that's in my brain makes Mm -hmm. me want to jump out of the second story window. Thwart thwart was definitely my word. Or like, he's got a, it talked about, I didn't find this one, but it talked about like, if you find, not happiness, but that's what I read, (laughs) happiness in your job, in your marriage, Jesus will wreck all of those things and take it away from you. So you're so depleted. You have to come to him. What? You have to come to him. What? That's not how I want to come to Jesus. I'm going to just tell you right now. But I remembered, I used to go to this wild church that is like super into the gifts of the spirit. And we had to listen to this. John Revere wrote this book or like mini thing, but we were listening to it. And it was talking about hell and why you don't want to go to hell. And it's like this guy, which we know this story. This guy thinks he has his life together 
And then he's hit by a car. I don't know if that's how he dies. And then he wakes up and he's in hell. And then he isn't in hell and he realized the error of his ways. I had that in my brain while I was reading this and I was like, the Bavarians are really into this idea that we all should just suffer and Jesus wants to squash us like we're the ant. Jesus is the little boy that has the magnifying glass and it's the sun and he's like burning the ants. That's that's what I read. <laughs> that's how I felt when I read this book. That's basically what it is. So yeah. So what chapter did you have I, and what was it about? I had chapter six and it was about healing the wound. And by the end of it, did you feel healed? I feel like, or wounded. I feel like I need to use my therapy session next week to talk about this chapter in the book. I never even know where to start with these chapters because what? But I will say, again, thwart. Thwart was the word, word of the hour. So yeah, she talks about all this, what Jesus will do to bring us back, blah, blah, blah. And so you will see the gentle, firm hand of God in a woman's life hemming her in. Yes. And I was like, ooh, what was my theology with that before? Because the only tattoo I have is a scripture reference to Psalm 139, 5. And people love Psalm 139 because it's the fearfully and wonderfully Mm -hmm. made chapter. But the verse, (laughs) my life verse, was... (laughs) (laughs) you have hemmed me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me and so I always felt like oh yeah like God has this purpose and this plan and so I don't know I didn't think of hemming in as like this kind of restrictive thing and maybe it's because behind and before and that's like this imagery of like protection meanwhile like the sides are are wide open but yeah, so kind of just this idea that, oh, like God has a plan for me and God has, has his hand on me. But then this, I was like, this is a, this is a different Hemi. hemming in. Hemi. <laughs> yeah. Like, very All restrictive. All around you. And it was, it was, I can't find it, but there is the part where it's like, yeah, if you find, no, it's right there, yeah. He'll make what was once a great job miserable. If it was in her career that she found shelter, he'll bring hardship into her marriage, even to the breaking point. If it was in marriage, she sought her salvation. Wherever it is we have sought life apart from him, he disrupts our plans, our way of life that is not life at all. It's it's interesting because I feel like Christians would tout free will. That doesn't sound like free will to me. And you know what's interesting? I made a lot of parallels. Because in my mind, like the whole Christian nationalists, we protest drag shows. I thought that was like a new crazy thing that's happening. But reading this book, I'm like, oh no, like Christians have always wanted to have people be miserable, hurting. Like, you know, like God isn't like God is love. Like God wouldn't treat people like this. But then you read books like this that were, I don't know. I read that. I read this 10 years ago. No, more than 10 years ago. A long time ago, I read these books and I'm like, oh, it's the same like control things need like actually you should be miserable. You should be 
experiencing people screaming at you because that's how we get you to Jesus. What? Right. Yuck. Yeah. But this whole, this whole chapter, I'm like, this is just so abusive. And like, what kind of God? Like, you have all the resources in the universe, allegedly. Like, you could choose to do anything in any way. And you're out here like, how can I make these people miserable so that they need me? Like, and it's not enough that, like, I think that's, that's one of my sticking points with Christianity. I'm like, I, I just don't understand it at this point. Because even... They trick you several times in this chapter into praying these prayers. Okay, I did. Uh, <laughs> right? Can I talk? Okay, here's a secret about me. I, there are like a few things that still exist in me because of the evangelical church and, and the ways, like my mom is not religious at all, but the ways that that seeped into even her own parenting. And so I would say my family has a very interesting aversion to like witchcraft like whenever there's Mm -hmm. witchcraft my family like it just it just it it just gets in your spirit and I cognitively do not believe that I have friends who are Wiccans but somewhere inside of me because of the evangelical church I just oh I get a little and then I gotta I gotta talk myself out of it but when I read books that have spells in them I don't read the spells and I found reading this book, whenever there was some whack ass prayer, I was like, long. And I had the exact same, like, no, no, no. So I just kind of skipped over it a little bit. I, like, I would read it and then I'd be like, am I praying right now? <laughs> no. I, don't make me pray without my consent. Right. Right. So then I'm reading it and I'm like, so did I just get saved again? Like, is it. <laughs> Yes. Is it the words or is it the the belief? You like, need to change your whole entire podcast format now because <laughs> you are now saved. I'm very excited for I you. Reconstructed. You you literally said the Lord's prayer, so time to go back to hell song. Time to repent of your sins. Oh, you already did that. Sorry, sorry. So time to I ask did, forgiveness yeah. and redemption. Did that? And did that? Very excited no. for next week's episode of you. <laughs> Returning to Hillsong. Can't wait. <laughs> See, God has not given and I have been thwarted. Like, <laughs> thwarted back into the arms of Jesus. Ugh. But like Christian Christianity is crazy. Because is, is it just is it just saying this prayer or is it the belief? And I'm like, I don't understand if you are a God and you have everything, you've made everything, you've done everything. It should be enough that like literally we already need you we already cannot survive yeah. without you also, if you are who you say you are also i'm like what would it have been like to write this book and be like jesus will bring the right resources into your life so you can go to therapy and jesus will bring community into your life so that you can see his goodness right like i'm just like there are like this idea that like god wants to smash me down and i'm like actually if if Jesus is this Jesus that I say I believe in. I actually think that there's like goodness. And I think that this Jesus, white, white Chad Jesus, wants to hold me down at gunpoint to make me believe in him. And no, like what? Right. Because she talks about, 
she, he, John wrote most of this chapter, <laughs> talks about Jesus, you know, standing at the door and knocking. I said, this is a home invasion. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is the cops at the door. Open up. What Jesus, I'm telling you, like, no knock warrant is what it feels like to me. This, <laughs> that's what this chapter was. A no knock right. warrant. <laughs> And he's like, I could kick the door in, but I'm doing the polite thing, and I'm banging on it first. But bitch, you got to open this door. <laughs> you got to come out sometime. <laughs> you trying to go to that little job you like? <laughs> but it, and it's like, how? Where do you draw the line? If God and Jesus are doing all these awful things to get you to come to Him, who's to say all these? wounds all this childhood trauma all of this wasn't part of the plan because again they build out these stories where here's all the terrible things that happened to you in childhood and here's why why you're defensive but god has no understanding for that now to get you over being defensive to get you over being hard i'm gonna do i'm gonna take away the little earthly pleasures and joys that you have found (laughs) To bring you closer to me. I think what I find most creepy about the the whole chapter was, yeah, like this idea that God can make us miserable. He can take away everything. So by that logic, he gives us our parents. So she talks about how her dad literally abuses her. And then, and then she's like, and then she's like, but God is a good father. What? No, (laughs) because you literally just said he does things to make you miserable. He, he is the abusive dad. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you didn't peep that, that parallel where you're talking about God literally making your life a living hell. So you'll come to him and then you're like, yeah. but he's a good father. And also I forgot, I forgot how obsessed Christians are with the father wound, with, with daddy <laughs> issues. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't grow up with a dad and I was chilling. But then I got into evangelical spaces and they were like, you should be so upset that you don't have a dad. No dad loved you, which means no man loves you. Spoiler alert, I ended up with a woman. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe the the evangelicals would say that's why. There we go. (laughs) There it is. I know what your father wound is. (laughs) So I just, I'm like. I forgot and I was like oh yeah I'm actually I don't know this man sweet so I don't it's I just don't know him he's a stranger he didn't do other than like not being around he didn't do my mom was like look here crazy you can't be around these girls and so and I see my half sisters and I'm like thanks mom glad you had the foresight for that and so it's a stranger danger I don't know this man does not bother me at all like right and I always struggle with it being like, should this bother me? Everyone's saying this should bother me. Everyone is saying that this like, you're going to see God as like an absent father. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really experience any of this. And the only reason that I ever felt like I did was because I had, my church made me read books and they brought it up all the time. And I had to go to the weird church therapist who didn't have a degree and I'm like could have been dealing with a lot of other stuff this probably wasn't the vibes 
And also, it's because Christianity has built God up as as this father. Like, we have this this book because y'all needed a companion piece because God is masculine and feminine, allegedly. Like, women are supposed to have been made from the leftover parts of God, right? He couldn't fit it into the man. So here's my feminine quality. But I'm like, we, we could and should just as easily and often be thinking of God the mother. Which I think that people don't, I, now that I've read this chapter, they don't want that because mothers don't, I, I mean, every parent is different and we're obviously using very Christian ideas of what motherhood and fatherhood is. But you can be, you can be a more masculine mom and kill the game. Also, black stud lesbians, People stepdaddies. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> providers. But I think like the idea of like if you think of Christian motherhood, I'm doing air quotes. I realize people can't see me. Is it's this idea of nurturing, caring, like holding when you're sick, like doing those things. And I feel like white evangelicalism can't have God be the mother because of the way that it is morphed into what it is today, which is mm-hmm. violent. And it's supposed to be what masculinity is. And so you see that all throughout this chapter, which is, they really wrote that and we bought it. So I'm not like, (laughs) I don't want to say like, I bought this book. I, it's in, I own it. And so then this is, this is a revised edition. So then even at the end, she adds that little, that new little part, but she talks about how, yeah, I've said how awful my dad was. But now, on second thought, he wasn't all bad. And I'm like, well, first of all, who is? But, like, you are seriously about to gloss over all this stuff you just told us yep. with a few pleasant memories. <clears throat> which also, that's, like, right out of the <clears throat> abuser's playbook, right? I'm going to do this awful, awful stuff, and then here's a gift. And then here's a nice moment. It wasn't all bad. Right. Just like... Also, I know this wasn't in this chapter, but I just think it's all connected. Wasn't she like a floozy and John found her in her little skinny shorts and then was with her? Because when I was reading the Hosea verse, which like throw out Hosea, throw it in the garbage, <laughs> burn it like no. Also, but redeeming love. Okay, I literally was just going to say Catherine and I hate watched redeeming love. Traumatized. Traumatized. Oh, no. oh Traum- I forgot they made a movie of that. And that was recent. Yeah, and it was traumatized. I have seen Law and Order SVU episodes less traumatizing than Redeeming Love. And the church gave me this book to read. Did they, did the movie like stick to the plot? Yes. Did she sleep with her Yes. Future bad words. <laughs> I don't know if I have the strength. Um, you might have to come back for that because you've already watched it. I can't. I can't knowingly traumatize. Oh, we, that. Me and Catherine were stressed. Like, and I, I remember loving redeeming. Oh, I loved it. And then the little the the next one. I cried. With the, same. Oh, same. Same. I, I wept same. over that book. Twenty twenty two. And now Ashley was like. What is I wrong weep. with this woman? <laughs> I weep for that Janice. Like, same. What? What's happening, girl? 
you are being thwarted. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I loved it, but not anymore. So don't watch it. If you were thinking about it, not the vibes. Not a hate watch, just traumatizing. Ooh. But they use Hosea in this because they love Hosea. And I just am like, it's 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 all icky because I feel like ultimately the healing is so that you can be with some man. That's what the that's what's the point of healing this wound is so that you can be with some guy. Yeah. And for her, obviously it's John, who I didn't realize wrote this chapter, makes it creepier. But yeah, this kind of male dominance is just laced throughout the the chapter. We need to be dominated as women from God, from our husbands. Yuck. Yeah. And to be to be open. Open to basically being hurt again. Cause then there's a story of one wife and Oh, Susan. Susan and Dave. So Susan was abused and then she's built up this defensiveness and then she has to go apologize to Dave and ask Dave to forgive her for being so rough and tough. Like, what? So who are these people in this book married to? Because if I'm rough and tumble, you know, my partner just meets me with kindness and, like, understanding of why I would be rough and tumble. And obviously if I'm being a jerk and, like, she's going to tell me I'm being a jerk, but if she knows why something triggers me or makes me sensitive... She's going to be kind to me. And this idea that like nobody is kind. And it's because, it's because. This is why they try to trick us into these prayers. It's this idea that only Jesus can heal. And it's not community. It's not therapy. uh, It's It's definitely not therapy. It's not therapy. It's Jesus. But let's just be honest because grifters through this book. It's the Jesus through this book that you are able to find healing. And and if you believe in Jesus truly and really, then you won't have these walls. You won't have this vulnerability. Or you, you'll have vulnerability. You won't have these walls. You won't have this hardened heart because you've truly been healed. And if you are not, then you need to apologize for not actually letting God heal you. And so then it's someone who's like, well, okay, I've already prayed all these prayers i've been in the prayer lines i've been in church for years why am i i'm doing jesus wrong like why is every why does why does there need to be a chapter seven like why don't i get to the end of this chapter having prayed these prayers and all is is well like i've said all the magic words i've acknowledged jesus as my one and only forever and ever like why isn't everything fixed if it's this simple and Jesus just wants to be number one? Okay, cool. Fix it, Jesus. Take the wheel. Do your things. And we should be good by this time next week because you've got all the power. You, you're, you're it. So it's like it doesn't, I mean, this book doesn't explain anything, but like it doesn't explain why it doesn't work. I also am so mindful of the, if you will, faithful Christians who do everything right. And like, like, and not just like, you know, I would say in America, we've got a lot of people who say they're Christian, but then they like cause actual harm 
to people. They like shoot people. They are garbage. They yell at people. And they would say like they're Christian. But I'm talking about the people who like earnestly love people. They love who they would consider their creator. And they have a miserable life otherwise. I think about, mm-hmm. I also, I would talk about the slaves. I know people mm-hmm. don't like that, but like people who were enslaved. There were people who were enslaved who had like such a deep commitment, faithful commitment to their creator while obviously experiencing atrocities. And spoiler alert, a lot of those people died never even seeing a world in which that didn't exist, right? And and so I think what bothers me most about this this chapter is this idea that God will make you miserable to bring him to him. And then when you come to God, then everything is supposed to not be miserable. And it's just so seeped in this white middle class view of God and doesn't account for people who are probably more faithful than these weirdos who don't write books like mediocre at best books get millions of dollars and like are actually doing the work and so I'm just like so turned off by that I'm so turned off by this like God will abuse you thwart you and then make you anew and everything will be beautiful because I think it forgets a lot of people who are doing that work and their lives are so miserable because we live in a garbage capitalistic society that you hella contribute to. That you, like I'm sure you have people of color who clean your fucking house, that you pay the least amount that you possibly can, but you're telling me that everything's beautiful and wonderful um, if you just let God heal the father wound. So thinking of thinking of enslaved people, thinking of, yeah, just people who've gone through horrible things. <laughs> what did you think of their translation of that, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, that whole thing, and then the little translation that they came up with. God has sent me on a mission. I have some great news for you. God has sent me to restore and release something, and that something is you. I am here to give you back your heart and set you free. I am furious at the enemy who did this to you, and I will fight against him. Let me comfort you. 4. Dear one, I will bestow beauty upon you where you have known only devastation, joy, in the places of your deep sorrow, and I will robe your heart in thankful praise in exchange for your resignation and despair. What do I think of it? I hate it. First of all, that voice that I was reading in my mind, that's what I read when I read that. And I just like, it's so interesting because I felt like this book was for me when I read it, you know, 10 plus years ago. Like that whack interpretation was for me. And I think it is just a, and we've talked about, we've, you know, we've talked about this before. I think it was the more that I have come into my blackness the more that I've realized this isn't actually for me. And the only way that it is for me is is if I assimilate. So if I am out here acting like Kanye West and Candace Owens, these, these books are for me. 
But the moment that I say, no, let's think about people who were enslaved. Let's think about people who right now are in horrible situations, even with having a relationship with God, the God of this this chapter of the book. I'm like, it's not for them. It's not for them, really. You try to make it seem like it's for them. You have them pay tithes to your church and give to your, when you come to speak. But it's like, not really for them because sometimes life is miserable and it has nothing to do with anything other than the society that we live in. Like, sometimes you live through a pandemic. Sometimes you graduate college during a recession. Like, sometimes life is just hard. And my hope is that people are finding the beauty in that hardship. And if they're not, that's also totally fine and acceptable too. And I think that this chapter of the book is not made for people who operate in that belief system. And if those people are suffering, which this is the grossest part to me, this is the grossest part. If people are suffering, there must be something that they're doing. So it feels like, to me, wow, the enslaved must have really, it's, it's, giving, it's giving Mormon church, the blacks were cursed because they didn't choose in the war. That is what it's giving. It's giving the blacks did something to put themselves in a situation of enslavement. Yep. And I, yuck. That's the problem with, with this theology. Like if you, it doesn't even work on an individual level because what it says about us and how God responds to us as individuals is not great. But then when you extrapolate it out, yeah, what does that say about black people as a people? If God has to do all of this to to thwart us, is this a thwarting? These these four hundred years of enslavement, is this were we being thwarted from what? And because to this day, nobody loves Jesus like black people love Jesus. Nobody. So what what's going on? And also, let's talk about the other side of that. Icky clans people who mm. went to church on Sundays were not thwarted. They bought homes what? and they lived in good neighborhoods and they had, side note, did you know that the reason black people eat meat so cooked is because we were given bad meat? Bad meat. So like, they also were given the good meat, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's like, this, this chapter makes no sense if you're looking at a cultural standpoint because it says that Basically, to be white is to be pure. And obviously they're doing something right because they're not being thwarted in this way that the book explains. But the blacks are. I just, it. Yeah. 400 years of trauma was me reading these pages. <laughs> Which, you know, the, the thwarting works because... We both, yeah, I think I read this around 2007. So we were both reading it and lapping it up at a time. Lapping it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems right. And then I thought it was very, very interesting. So they give out the steps. So invite Jesus in, renounce, renounce the agreement you've made. And I said, oh, I haven't heard that, that in a long time, but I remember that theology. 
yeah, you've agreed with the bad things that yeah. happened or you've, you've made agreements and now this is why, you know, so you got to break those agreements, blah, blah, whatever. Ask Jesus to heal you. Oh, never thought of that, but okay. I also think that the <laughs> grossest thing about those agreements was it talked about childhood and like you believe these from childhood. And I'm like, also our beliefs about children and like, let's, let's, as an adult, you can choose to heal. You can choose to go to therapy. You can choose to get out of situations. And I'm not negating that that's not hard. I'm just saying every adult, unless you're in a truly, truly heinous situation, can get out of whatever situation they're in, even if it's really, 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 really hard. You know who can't? Right. Children. Children actually right. cannot in any circumstance unless other adults come in and help them get out of the situation that they're in. And I, I just, this idea that like children are evil and they're believing these lies, I'm like, they're, they're helpless. They're actually like the most helpless people in our society. Yeah. So I, that, that really rubbed me. I'm like, of course a kid is going to believe things to cope with whatever's happening to them that's terrible as they should. And to make that evil is just really icky to me. Icky. Yeah. Icky, icky. And, like, why would they... They're literally in the stage of life where you are learning to believe things. Where you, like... Yes. You only know the things that people tell you. So, a child, yeah, you tell them bad things, they're going to believe it. Yes. You sell them Christianity, they're going to believe it. Exactly. So, to blame that on on kids. But then, it gets, you know, then then you have to forgive, so then they just pour on the blanket forgiveness because yeah. if you don't forgive you're going to get bitter and act like all these things and that God are will make you miserable and punish you for the abuse you experienced as a child so right yeah as a good God would because that makes that makes sense and I also this is a little rampage I'm on just personally recently is this whole forgive as the Lord forgave you kind of thing because he didn't he didn't forgive us <laughs> <laughs> the whole point like I don't understand if what Adam and Eve did could mess up things for humanity forever for all of us right we're just born into it there's nothing we could do because that's just humanity now Jesus comes again supposed to be all powerful supposed to be the fix for this so I'm fine with believing in Jesus and believing he did what he did but then that should mean that everybody is good now yes. the fact that I have to turn around and now say oh it's not just enough that Jesus did what he did, but I believe it and I accept it. <laughs> and please forgive me. God doesn't just freely forgive. You have to ask for it. And now I have to go to church weekly and now I have to tithe. And now I have to like, you have to do all these things. So don't come at me with forgive as God forgave. If you're not about to do some work, cause it's not just free. So that's my little rampage. But then I was like, Ooh, where are we going? going because the heading is ask him to destroy your enemies <laughs> it's like oh this could be interesting and then it was not because <laughs> it basically again was to turn it back on you yep. and now my enemies are my self-doubt yep. my anger my depression my shame my addiction my fear mm -hmm. These are my enemies that God is going to destroy. And I'm like, no, 
I want you to destroy Donald Trump. <laughs> Hillsong. Carl Lentz. This is what I'm trying to sign up for. And you won't do it. So I felt cheated. I mean, book once again. that's another fascinating reading this book and thinking about Hillsong also is an interesting parallel because the Carl Lentz that we saw two years ago who got thwarted, if you will, if, if you will, thwarted by people like Tyler Perry paying his $10,000 a month rent, thwarted. This, that same Carl Lentz is, is coming. He's coming, probably January. My, we'll get through the holidays, January, I'm, I'm calling it, the new year. It's going to be the same Carl Lentz we get then, who is going to do an interview, write a tell-all book about his time at Hillsong. And it's it's not going to be about the co- the harm he caused right. to the lady he was with, but also the congregation that he shit all over. And mm-hmm. and so I, I'm just, it's, it's fascinating to me because it's like, God doesn't deal with those people, but God will deal with your depression because that is an enemy. Right. What? Right. No, you know what thwarting looks like to me? Not people paying your $10,000 a month rent. Like, you were unscathed by this scandal, essentially. You still are living a very rich lifestyle. You honestly kept all of your community. The only thing that you were cost was your job, as it should be. Like, as it should be. Like, and so... Which it shouldn't even, because now... The whole narrative has changed, and so all we're talking about is is his marriage. Yes, and you know, yep. and Christianity has made that has made that the big sin. Oh, he cheated on his wife, and oh, look, look what happened. Mance was cheating on his wife before. Yeah. If that was the you're telling only me that's thing, the only one he ever did. No, it's the only one he ever got caught doing. Right, the only one they publicly called him out for yes. because again, like it's all it's all a mess. Y'all have known stuff before, but it didn't matter because he was your cash cow. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he got put on the altar now was because he was about to not be anyway. They were trying to get out yep. of Hillsong. Yep. So so now, nope, his star can't keep rising. So get him out of here. And honestly, if all, all he had done wrong was had an affair, then yes, fire him for that. Let it be about his marriage. But then his church, his people would be like, oh, but he was such a good pastor and our church was so healthy and things were so great. And that's not the truth. Like the problem, the issue, I don't care about Carl Lentz's marriage. That means nothing to no, me. It's not my business. I am as it's not my business. concerned. <laughs> I feel the same way about his marriage that he did up until 2020. It does not concern me. It does not concern me. I don't care. My issue with Carl Lentz is that you were platforming and promoting Sexual predators. You were a sexual predator. You were the behind the scenes of this place was filth. You were exploiting people for you. I mean, you you were exploiting people for the care of your children, for the cleaning of your houses, for that. Like you were exploiting these vulnerable people to take care of your every whim. Right. Both non-sexual and sexual. If we're going to be honest, and. Financially, in all these different ways, and that is why. And so I think when I read these books, 
and I think about people like that who just continue to be platformed. I mean, people are still platforming Brian Houston, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, none of this matters. If, If this is all you're saying, then like, you you are saying you get to decide who has a true relationship with Jesus. And it's not actually about my own personal relationship. It is about you telling me what it looks like to be in relationship with Jesus. And it, it it's 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 like these are the books that got us to where we are today. And it's insidious, right? Like I didn't I didn't even think about this until I I was reading this book again. But I'm like, oh, we didn't just arrive here, which is what I think about. But really, we read books like this from people like the Beveers who told us what Christianity was supposed to look like, which, again, white middle class, which is why there are no consequences for people like Carl Lentz and Brian Houston. But there are severe consequences for people like Dante Brown, who are doing way less than half the shit than these monsters are doing. And so it's just an interesting, it's a, it's a, I am, I don't want to say glad, but that feels like a stretch, but I am glad, if you will, that I read this book because you see, I'm seeing the threads in a different way than I ever would have saw them. And it's why I let people call me black she, and it's why I just tried to assimilate to this space because Christianity looked that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, Black Sheet loved this book. That's who loved this she book. She loved that book. I wish I could give her a hug. She needs it. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 It is shameful and embarrassing to look back on that version, but then also very encouraging and heartening because we got out. We got out. Like we had <laughs> all the programming, it was working, it was in effect. We read this and Redeeming Love and said, yes, <laughs> highly recommend. Ten out Could of, not be better. 10 out of 10. <laughs> right. Like, straight from heaven. These are amazing. And now, you know, just 10 to 15 short years later, <laughs> horrified, horrified. And that's, that's repentance yeah. right there. This chapter was interesting because it had the least movie references so far. Usually it is littered with, but then this one had the book reference. So it talked a lot about the little prince and then like, they just assume, wait, was it the little prince or the little princess? Little princess. You're right. Yeah. Cause this is the girl's book. I love that movie by the way. So I'm reading it. I was like, I guess I never read the little princess. But it was this little little part of the book, and I was disturbed because I was like, I don't understand what's happening here, and this sounds this sounds crazy. So under the let him father you heading. Then he went with Sarah into her little sitting room, and they bade each other goodbye. Sarah sat on his knee and held the lapels of his coat in her small hands and looked long and hard at his face. Are you learning me by heart? Little Sarah, he said, stroking her hair. No, she answered. I know you by heart. You are inside my heart. And they put their arms round each other and kissed as if they would never let each other go. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> I must have glazed over that? You glazed over that. Because I was like, what is happening here? Who? What? And it's still 
Not clear. But I'm like, I thought, so in the beginning, I'm envisioning, oh, there's a little kid. It is a little kid. I'm pretty sure Sarah's the daughter. I've ever I've seen this movie. Whose knee is she sitting on? And then why are they kissing? She's sitting on her dad's knee for sure. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. But the, I was like, this book, this book is. It's weird. This, it's weird. This just highlights just the weirdness of this book. Cause y'all put this little passage in here with no reference, no whatever. Sarah's, and you just Sarah's the kid. <laughs> I'm like, Sarah's the little princess, if you will. Is she the, a kid the whole time? Yeah, that's like the point of the story of the little princess is that her dad leaves her at like a boarding school and goes to war. And then he comes back, but he has amnesia. So he's like super close to the, the boarding school, but they think he's he's dead. And the headmistress basically makes Sarah... Is like your dad died. You don't have any money, so they make her become like a maid, basically, at the school. And it's like her thinking through these fantastical stories of the people that they've met in their travels, and she, her dad, like remembers and then comes and gets her and like gets the headmistress fired. Like that's the, that's the like, it's she does not grow up. She's a kid the whole time, and also, even if she wasn't a kid. Why are you kissing your dad like that as an adult? So right. it's weird no matter how you slice it. Yeah. But just like they just dropped that in there and then just went on. Because <laughs> in the next sentence, you know, say, this precious story touches on something deep in the heart of little girls and women. And I'm like, we're not going to address, mm-hmm. you're not going to explain mm-hmm. what just happened. Because if I haven't seen this movie, I haven't, like, I'll only have these words to go by. This sounds inappropriate. It, 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 yeah. How did I gloss over that? It's because I was trying to speed read this morning because this book was so garbage. Damn, you missed, missed stuff. Not sad that I did. Yeah. So it just... I mean, it all goes back to like, in this chapter of the book, God is an abuser. However you slice it. And that just like just drove it home in an even ickier way. Yeah. It's it ugh. and just so many so many of these little just little moments cuz even the story of of Susan Susan again and then talking about her story was you know at a very young age I became the one who when my father beat my mother would step in to defend her and when my mother would berate oh, yeah. my father Oh yeah yeah yeah. I was the one who would step in to defend him. Up until I was 16, I took all the verbal abuse my mother had thrown to me. But there was this day that I decided not to take it anymore. And my father told me to go back in there and take it. And I'm like, how are we? We're really equating. Yeah, my dad used to beat my mom. And then she would yell at him, scream at him. And those are the same. Yep. That's, that's the same. And in the end... The mother might actually be worse. Yeah. Because, you know. She berates you. She berates you. And I'm just like, oh. This this book is doing, this book is doing a lot of work. I'm also like, and why wasn't Dave sensitive to that? Like, a true partner would be like, 
Of course you're hardened. Of course you have a hard time. Let's go to therapy, babe. No, just get over it. You need to loosen up. If you really, if you really have a relationship with Jesus, you would be over this by now. Stop believing yeah. the childhood lies your parents told you. <laughs> just stop. Here's a book to read through your poop. Also, they're like counseling these people, right? Like he is. John is. That's why he wrote this. It, this chapter. It also makes me sick that these true stories of these people, they are like he actually can counsel people. Like I want yeah. a where are they now? You know how the the dark and lovely relaxers, they like where are they now and all these little black girls that ha- had their hair straightened now are natural. Loved it. I want to know where Susan and Dave are now. Are they divorced? Did they stay together? Did they deconstruct? I want to know. So Susan and Dave, if you're out there, let us know what happened. Let us know. Because, yeah. Yeah, and he, John, John is an interesting character for, for many reasons. But he, he didn't counsel for long. Based on his, his bio on their website. Oh, so they like more. counseled all these people, wrote these books, made a lot of money, and then started just touring. Yeah, and not even that. I think they, he counseled some people, I want to say for like a year or two. Then they were in ministry, then wrote these books. And then, so it's like, you weren't, you weren't a seasoned counselor. You were definitely a Christian counselor, which is not. Not real. Yeah. If you're a Christian counselor, Uh I don't think you're real unless you have a real degree. So you heard it here first. (laughs) Consider yourself thwarted. Yeah. So you shouldn't. You shouldn't be using these stories. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have these stories in the first place. And then you're not, none of these, they don't have endings. You're just telling us, here's all the awful things that happened. Here's how she felt. And then here's, here's what they did in this moment. But there's no, do they not, there's no, where are they now? Even to this point. Do, like, do you think they do at like the end of the book? I can't remember. Uh, also, I kind of think they're lies. Oh yeah. Like Susan and Dave are not real, but if they were, I would want to know where they are. Yeah. If anything, they are in amalgamation of the worst of what he heard. Yes. And he just put it all into, here's this extreme. Yes. Extreme character. But yeah, this book is a work of fiction. It absolutely is. I'm going to be really honest though. This makes me feel like I could cut it as a Christian author. Because it's not good writing. No. And if we were worse people just unscrupulous folks we could have a a banging little business (laughs) we really could if we just said you know what for the next two to five years we are just going to dedicate ourselves to becoming conservative black conservative talking heads white lives matter (laughs) we'd be rich We'd be rich. We'd be rich. Get in, get out, write a book, do something, and then <laughs> retire. Literally, we could be grifters and make a lot of money. Like, yeah. 
it just feels like the, you know, we could, we could, uh, it's the White Lives Matter shirts for us. It's the, you know, talk about every, the liberals, snowflakes. We'd be rich, (laughs) but too bad I have morals. Have morals too big of a conscience, and I just don't have the stomach no, I used I to have. Literally, like, I... literally, I do not. I do not. No. I'll be halfway through my first interview and just be like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, literally. <laughs> talking to somebody, and I would just be like, well, I just, you know, to me, it's like Allie B. Stucky. Her voice bothers me, and I just feel like I would be on that and be like, It'd be like two minutes in and I'd be like, well, I lied about this. I gotta go before I start to dehumanize you. So, and I don't believe in that. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. All of them, all of them. Tucker Carlson, all of them just have voices that just permeate in my soul. And just, I, no, mm -mm, couldn't do it. That's, that's, that's the work of Tim from New England. New evangelicals. That's his. That's his work. That's his. That's for him. Those are. That's yeah. Have at it, Tim. <laughs> Tim. God bless you because <laughs> couldn't be me. Couldn't be us. We we can't do it. It's not. It's not for us. And we need. We need you out there. You're literally the only one. The only type. They will listen to. Literally, and I would just be. You know, I'd be. I'd be. Whew, I could just. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. They would talk yeah. about the blacks one time and it would be, there it is. Ah, there it is. <laughs> and they'd be like, but you're wearing a White Lives Matter shirt. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to grift, but couldn't be me. We would try it. Like voice would just be getting higher and higher <laughs> pitch. <laughs> be like, oh, 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 the blacks. Exactly. It's funny that you say that. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just. <laughs> you need. You need some water. You. Oh, you do. You do. I'm okay. I do. You know what? I do. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna go get some. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't. But it just. It's. It's just. You know, comforting that if I ever need to make a buck, that there's a there's a job out there for me in that in that realm. There's an option. There's an option. We can, we could, and we are actively choosing not, not to thwart ourselves <laughs> daily. But yeah, so it's good. It's it's like a desperation meter. I said, okay, I'm not that desperate, and I don't think I ever will be. So things can't be that bad. Things can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. So praise, praise. <laughs> but. Who uh who is this book for? The trash. <laughs> I like that because that is physically and metaphorically. Exactly. All right. Well, looking at it from the perspective that everything everything is permissible. Cannot stop anyone from writing a bad book. But not everything is beneficial. So on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 beneficial. It's 2007. We are in our white bag, (laughs) top of the heap, down to one, harmful for everyone, not good, do not buy, 
Where where would you put this? If I could go negative, I would. Dress this chapter. And I know it gets worse. Negative. Go to therapy. The, the moral of this chapter story is we all should go to therapy. Be in good, in-person, human connection community because it is better than this garbage. All right. So instead of captivating, what is something book, movie, music, anything women constructed and or women focused that you would recommend? Mm. I don't know if this is, you would classify this as a woman focused, but I feel like About Love by Bell Hooks, if you want some healing on how to love yourself and others better, I feel like that's the, the there it is. All right. Well, Ashley, thank you for putting yourself through this because that's what I love. I appreciate it. I'm very tempted to consider making like a thwarted t-shirt. <laughs> I'd buy it. 100%. Some thwarted merch. Yep, Just... I'm in. <laughs> This is all this is all part of God's master plan. Everything us us being this far from it all. It's just part of the thwarting. Yes. And in closing, my father loved me. He wanted me. So truly did my mother. The answer to the question of my little girl's heart, am I lovely? Do you delight in me? Was a resounding yes. It was a yes from my earthly parents, and it is a yes from my heavenly father. God has rewritten my personal history. There is a lightness to my heart that is new. A deeper joy is residing there as I embrace ever more fully the love of my God and what he speaks to me about myself and life. It is amazing. It is available. Keep pressing in. Keep asking God. And take your heart's question to Jesus. Ask him to show you your beauty. And then, let him romance you. So I have this theory. Theology. Theology. Or maybe, it's just a thought. I have this thought that I've been playing with. That if there is a God... That God is time itself. Because when I think about the evangelical God, right, that God has been unable to keep any of its laws from being violated and has done wild things, floods, wars, sending and sacrificing Jesus, crazy things to try and reset everything. And I think if it was possible, at some point that God would have just gone back in time and started over, but that God never has, I think because that God can't. Because that God is not actually in charge of time. That God just just like us, is subject to time, which means the ultimate God is time. If there is a God at all, and I don't know that there is, but sometimes the timing of things makes me think that there is, and that I'm right, and that that God is time. And I don't know that time is on my side, but sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm right on time, like I'm with time. And this episode, being the one scheduled for this week when the second half of the FX Hulu Hillsong documentary just came out and was, you know, a big old thwarting of so many stories from people at Hillsong NYC. And, you know, Ashley and I just happening to talk about Carl Lentz and his marriage and how strange it is that the evangelical God never seems to thwart wealthy white men. I don't know. Could just be coincidence. Or it could be that the words of women, of black women, of queer folk, of evangelicals, are for such a time as this. 
thank you for joining me for this chapter of Captivating. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than I did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, a Legata Scratch production, and a Goddess Not Given Side Hustle, produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodly and Jodwilling patrons like Diff. Thank you. Diff. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or review. And if you'd like more info on how to become a monthly supporter and get access to bonus episodes, hit the show notes for the links. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. I am Janice Legata, and this has been an episode of Bad Words, but here are some good ones. I think if I could leave you with something, I feel like we all need to be healed from the misogyny, the god of violence, and the god of dominance is what I think. Uh, If we're going to talk deconstruction spaces, I feel like all the women need to be healed from this misogynistic, violent, domineering father Jesus. None of us who have left these spaces are the sum of these books. And there we actually can mourn for the Ashley and Janice that read this book in 2007 and loved it. But we actually, we also can be better. We also can like get to a point where we are really healed and there are resources for that.